Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt, a closer look at the nativity. One of the blessings of Christmas is that it takes Christians back to that manger and in seeing that manger moment with the shepherds and Jesus, it reminds us of our own manger moment. That time in my life when I came to see and realize that this baby is more than a baby. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. Jesus could have chosen to be born anywhere in the world, but instead of a palace, he chose a lowly manger. Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve explores the profound significance behind this divine decision and unveils the timeless lesson it holds for us today. We're unwrapping the true meaning of Christmas. If you missed part one of this lesson, catch up online at thejourney.fm. Now here's Pastor Steve concluding a message titled, Glory in the Manger. What is glory and what does the Bible teach about it? Very quickly, there are two ways the Bible talks about glory. The most prominent is glory as the expression of the infinite worth of God. To him be the glory is to say, to God be all the praise, to God be all the acclaim, to God be all of the honor. He alone is worthy of all the glory. It's, it's that overarching weight and worth and value that even God himself uh, places before him as a motive for why he does what he does. The second way that the Bible talks about God's glory is this glory light, the visible expression of the infinite worth of God, that oftentimes when God's presence shows up uh, is on display. Now, we have in the Christmas narrative both examples of the glory of God, both the worth of the glory of God and the glory light of the glory of God. And since this is our theme, glory in the manger, you listen for both of those. We're in Luke chapter 2. I'm beginning in verse 1. These are very familiar words if you've been a Christian very long. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So now we get into the glory. Verse 8, glory in the night. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Are you listening? And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
And now we're into the famous part of this story, right? We have these famous but anonymous angels and famous but anonymous shepherds. So let's keep going here. So here's the story. It's nighttime. The shepherds are there when all of a sudden the supernatural explodes in the night sky and an angel appears. Now note something with me. It says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And even more shocking than the glory light is the glorious news. Here's what the angel says. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What a glorious message. And note now, the the angels aren't done. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, and here's this word again, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So now we move from glory light to glory in this song, a song of adoration. Glory to God in the highest. May may God be praised, may God be seen as infinitely worthy for what he has done, this amazing baby that has been born. Now we'll get to that in a moment. But no, they're saying glory to God in the highest place. Glory to God the Father in the marvel of what he has done. So the angels praise God the Father in the highest. Who is charged with praising God in the lowest? It's not the angels. It is these shepherds. In society at that time, the the shepherds were considered like lowlifes. Let's just say that rather than inviting the shepherds to the party, uh, God had decided to invite the rich and the famous to the party, maybe uh, some of the royalty to the party, maybe some of the movers and shakers uh, to the party. Wouldn't normal people like us wonder if Jesus came for common folk? So inviting the people at the bottom of the ladder assures us, no matter where we are on the ladder, that Jesus came for us too. And what better people to invite to communicate for generations who Jesus really came for than to invite the shepherds? So after the shepherds have this incredible moment, they hear the incredible message, they see the incredible light, they have a little holy huddle, and they say, what are we going to do now? And they say, well, of course, we're going to go to Bethlehem. Let's go check out this thing that the angels told us. How did the shepherds find Jesus? Well, they did what we do a lot when you go into a town, you don't know anybody, you ask around. And so they went into rushing into Bethlehem, and they're like, hey, There's a baby somewhere in Bethlehem lying in a manger, and they're like, you shepherds are crazy. But that was the sign, wasn't it? You shall find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And why is that a great sign that this actually is the one, this is the baby? Because nobody put babies in in mangers. And we don't to this day put babies in feeding troughs. So if you find a baby in a feeding trough, ah, that's the one. That is the sign, not the star, but the baby in the manger. By the way, the wise men, and and many of you know this is a little bit of pet peeve of mine, the wise men, we include them in the story, but 
they uh, most likely didn't show up for quite some time, uh, maybe up to two years if you base it on Herod killing all the babies two years and younger, a little bit later in the story. Uh, so uh, the wise men and the star and all of that, that's maybe a couple years later. I would advise you to remove them from your nativity sets <laughs> or perhaps buy an older looking Jesus if you keep them in there. Okay, now where do we see glory with the shepherds? Verse 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds, here we go, returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And so we find with the shepherds, after they go to Bethlehem, find Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they emulate, essentially, the angels who already kind of knew what was going on, and they emulate it how? With overflowing glory and praise. Now, we don't know how they did it. They did it in a sort of shepherd sort of way. They maybe were singing. They maybe were praying. They were dancing. They were crying. They were some combination of all of that. I no idea, but whatever it was, they were rejoicing. I mean, you might ask the question, how would you react if you met Jesus? And Christian, isn't that, isn't that kind of what you've done? If you are a Christian, haven't you met Jesus? And what is the appropriate response to meeting the incarnate Son of God? Christian, haven't you at some point kind of had your own manger moment? where suddenly, with eyes of faith, you realize that Jesus is exactly who the angel said that he is? A savior who is Christ the Lord? Is that not the gospel? So, I, I mean, to realize, if you get, hey, Pastor Steve, what's the verse that we you know, support celebrating Christmas every year? Did you know there is no mandate to celebrate Christmas? That sounds like, you know, blasphemy. Uh, somehow. But we're not told to celebrate Jesus' birth. Now we do, and rightly so. But one of the blessings of Christmas is that it takes Christians back to that manger, and in seeing that manger moment with the shepherds and Jesus, it reminds us of our own manger moment. That time in my life when I came to see and realize that this baby is more than a baby. This baby, fully human, is also simultaneously fully God, who grew up and died for my sins and is now at the right hand of God. What should we do at Christmas time? Let's take our cues from the shepherds glorify and praise God for all we have heard and seen. Amen, Christians? Okay. So we have glory with the angels and their announcement. We have glory with the shepherds. But the real focus of all of this is who's in that crib? Who's in that manger? I remember when we had our, our uh, girls that no matter where you go, what store you go, what you know, church gathering, what family gathering, whatever, when you have a baby, the baby like sucks all the attention, doesn't it? Everyone just like, joop focuses in on the baby. 
And that's a good discipline, I think, at Christmas, is to focus on the baby. Because there's so many other things that we can focus on, think about, be concerned about, be fretting about, be running around 15 different directions about. Focus on the baby. That's who this is all about. Here's verse 16. The shepherds. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. You will search the scriptures in vain to find out really anything more about this baby. We are not told the normal things. We don't know what his height was. We don't know what his weight was. We don't know what you know, color hair and eyes. We know that Mary and Joseph are there, and that's, of course, to be expected. Parents of, of, of newborns are very attentive, especially the firstborn. By the fourth, it's like, okay, whatever. But the first one, this is their first child. They're very attentive. Other than that, all we're told about is his crib, which it says here is a manger. Now, as you may know, a manger, which sounds sort of sentimental and religious to us now, was at that time nothing more than the feeding trough for the animals. Not exactly the most hygienically clean spot for a baby, do you think? I mean, think about this, this feed. It's not like they you know, went to Home Depot and bought one a year. You know, this is likely a manger, a feeding trough that has been used year after year after year. When we go to the orchard or we go to a petting zoo, you know, the girls are always like, we want to feed the goats, you know, and so, okay, fine, and you buy them feed and, and you let them, you know, feed the goats, and we watch them very carefully, and about a half a second after they're done, we're like bathing them in antibacterial soap, and we use words like icky, icky, licking tongues of goats and cows, and there in that icky spot lay the creator of the universe, the Lord of glory. In that icky place, he was the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. In that icky place, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Did the shepherds begin to realize who was laying in that manger? And obviously the answer is no. Any more than we, in a sense, don't begin to realize the glory that is Jesus. But the little they did understand elicits from them praise and glory to God, which, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. And friends, isn't this the, wonder, the, the marvel of Christmas? That one so glorious, one so infinitely worthy and infinitely valuable and infinitely powerful. I mean, the eternal God lies 
in human flesh and in all of all places on earth in a goat feeding manger. And that blows our minds. It blows our minds. We can't grasp such glory in a normal human baby. And this has been a struggle for a very long time for us. Like, we're, we're, we, we continue to be uncomfortable with the incarnation. Like, it's just, how can all of that be in a little baby? And for years, what artists would do is they would paint a halo. Maybe you've seen this in paintings. Paint a halo over Jesus. And they would do it in his adulthood. They would do it in his, in his birth. I looked it up a little bit and actually... Artists would do that before Jesus was born. They were doing that with the pantheon of Roman gods. When they would paint them, they would put a little halo over to indicate this person is really, really special. And then they incorporated that when Jesus uh, was was born in art. They would put a, a halo over him. And yet, what do we see here in the text? That at his birth, the only glory was out in the fields, When the angels appear, do you know what Jesus looked like in that manger? Here's the shock. He looked like a normal baby. Despite what the song says, he cried. That's not blasphemy. Jesus cried. I'll take it another step. He needed a diaper. Do you want to know how human that baby was? He needed a diaper. He was as normal as normal could be and simultaneously upholding the galaxies by the power that has been his for all eternity. This child, this Messiah, I think in many ways we're more comfortable with the adult Jesus being the infinite God because we see him standing at Lazarus' tomb and saying, come forth, and standing in front of the, 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 the storm and saying, peace be still. We sort of like, okay, he's, he's an adult, he's a man. He was all that when he was a baby. He was a baby. And this is the true glory in the manger. It's not a light show because there was no glory light in the manger. It's not a song because they were singing or chanting or rapping or whatever they were doing out in the fields. It's not angels because there's no angels that show up at the manger scene. It's not the shepherds. The glory in the manger is who he was and is, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, the one who deserved glory in the highest has now taken the position of the lowest. I read an article about this this week, it's just fascinating, the angels, you know, they say glory to God in the highest. When we understand Christmas, we sing glory to God in the, in the lowest. And here's the thing, friends. In that low place, in that place of humility, he gives hope to all humanity that if he would go to the lowest place and lay his precious head on the hay of horses, then none of us need to question if Jesus came for me. No light, no angels, no song. No trumpets, no throne, no sea of glass, no seraphim chanting, holy, holy, holy. None of the accoutrements to Jesus' true identity. 
But there was divine glory in that manger, cloaked in a baby, hidden from human eyes, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Friend, I wonder if you can see the glory in the manger. Do you see the glory in the baby? Do you Do you see what this is all about? Can you believe in his mission to understand why he came? Can you see in even his his birth and the words of the angels, the, 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 the foreshadowing of why he came in the first place, which was not just to be incarnate, but to die in atoning death for our sins and an atoning death for your sins. Can, you, can your heart get to that place? Last Sunday, after first service in the commons, I had this couple came up to me, and I happen to know a little bit about this couple. The wife been praying for her husband, I'm not sure how many years, 20 years, praying for her husband's salvation. I know we have many women in our church. Every time you blow out the candles, that's the prayer, that's the thing you're, you're, you're hoping for. They came up to me, and uh, the wife said, he has something he wants to tell you. And uh, he said, this week I became a Christian. And he's likely somewhere in this service right now. And you know what I said to him? I said, your first Christmas as a Christian. What a special thing. Your first Christmas to look beyond all the stuff and all the gala and all the festivities. Your first Christmas to peer into the manger. And by faith, to look into the eyes of that baby, and in the face of Jesus to see the very face of God. What an incredible privilege. What a joyous Christmas. Brother, if you're here, I hope it's an awesome one for you. But that's really the desire for all of us, isn't it? To get to, like, like, a, like a child, to get over to that, that manger and to peer over the manger at the baby and to not just see a baby or to see human flesh, but to see God. And through that, to see the gospel. And through God and the gospel, to see glory. Take our cues from the first Christmas. The angels, what did they do? Adoration. The shepherds, what did they do? Amazement. Mary, what did she do? She treasured these things. Adoration, amazement, and a sense of wonder and glory that treasures Jesus' birth as true glory in the manger. Merry Christmas. Helping us prepare our hearts for Christmas. That was Pastor Steve DeWitt. You're listening to The Journey and the conclusion of a message called Glory in the Manger. You can replay the full message online at thejourney.fm. Well, here on The Journey, it's our mission to encourage and equip you in your journey of faith. That's why each and every day, we broadcast the truth of God's Word to men and women all over the world. But without our listeners, this wouldn't be possible. When you support this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or giving a generous year-end gift, you help cover the cost of delivering this Bible teaching program on the radio and web. So would you consider giving to support this important mission? December is a critical time for nonprofit ministries like The Journey, and your gift, no matter the size, will make a huge difference. You can call us at 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. And to say thanks for your gift, 
we'll be sending you Max Lucado's In the Manger, 25 inspirational selections for Advent. Advent is a seasonal celebration of the moment that God came near. He came not as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. Join Mary and Joseph inside a stable, beside a shepherd, and at the feet of the king in the manger as you celebrate the greatest gift of all this season and beyond. Request your copy of In the Manger by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763 or visit thejourney.fm. And while you're there, join our mailing list to receive updates from The Journey. Just scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up there. That's thejourney.fm. Well, that's all the time for today. I'm Tim Svoboda. Join us next time for a special Christmas message from Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.